We've all got a past. Everybody in here has a past. Aren't you thankful that the Lord has forgiven your past? Maybe somebody this morning says, I I don't feel like my past is forgiven. Well, I've got an answer for you. If any man be in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. What does that mean? That means that God has got to do something in your heart and in your life that that brings you out of that past or stops the cycle of what has always been your past and begins to change you and and he begins to forget that past. But see, you can't move past your past until you are born again. Amen. And there are people sitting here this morning and 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 you you, you know you are you Say you believe, and, and, and I'm not saying that you don't believe, but I want to say to you this morning that if you believe, you act upon what you believe. You don't live a life that's contrary to what you say you believe. Amen. If you believe in God and you believe in Christ and you do what His Word declares that you do, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Amen. I don't do anything but what the Father tells me to do. So your past man can be forgiven your past where you're living in and the 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 attack of the enemy because he's the accuser of the brethren amen the bible says he's the accuser of the brethren and the only way to overcome the accusation that's present right here before you of your past is to be washed in the blood of jesus amen the bible says that that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony we don't have a testimony without the blood of the lamb we don't have a testimony of what God has done except we allow God to do something in our life. I'm just come to tell you today that He is a forgiver of your past. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. I don't care how many sexual encounters you've had with people you didn't even know. I don't care how many abortions you've had. I don't care how many times you've done drugs. I don't care how many times that you've lied or stolen. I've come to tell you today, God wants to save your soul and save you from that past and save you out of where you're at right now, which is the sin that you're in. Amen. And when He saves you, you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. I'm so grateful that we can come. And you know, you see people and they come into church. A lot of times they're visiting or people that will come in that are not, you know, born again. And they see people worshiping God and they're like, why are they acting like that? Why are they doing that? Why do they run around the building? Why do they come in the front and shout? You don't know what they were before God saved them. Amen. You don't know the depravity that God brought them out of. You don't know the pit that he brought them out of. You don't know the nights that they laid in their bed and wept and cried and said, I'm never going to overcome. The devil lied to them and told them, you're going to die a drug addict. You're going to die an alcoholic. You're going to die an adulterer. You're going to die in that condition. But I've come to tell you, God can change any situation. He can change any person. He can save you and die to the uttermost aren't you thankful today that he's a savior today he's a healer today he's an all need supplier today everything you have need of is in Jesus you can't save yourself you can't work your way to heaven you can't pray enough prayers or rosaries to get yourself into heaven you've got to put your faith and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of the of the cross and know this that God doesn't want me to live at that place you know where I'm in dead works but he wants me to come into a living way amen and live a life hallelujah with living works amen living deeds living blessings abundant life hallelujah today Aren't you thankful, amen, you that are saved, that you're not who you used to be. You may not be where you want to be or what God wants you to be, but you're not who you used to be. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God today. Almighty Lord. 
He wants us to serve him. And if you're not a Christian today, you don't know what it means to be saved. But I can tell you, it's like God kisses the earth and you're in the middle of the smack. (laughs) Amen. My dad used to say that and then I got saved and I said, yeah, that's right. There's nothing like living for Jesus. There's nothing like being redeemed. There's nothing like going from a place of brokenness and bondage. You know, what what blessing did you have in that? None. Amen, none. You woke up with a hangover. You woke up not knowing where you were last night and who you were with. Amen. You woke up broke, busted, and disgusted. But when Jesus comes in, he changes your life. I know. I was going through a bunch of pictures my mom gave me, and I just saw the sadness on my face, and I looked through years and years of even in elementary and junior high, and you know we were laughing about all the hairstyles and everything, and I'm going through all of that and the clothes we wore and, you know, and all of that, and I'm looking, and I'm just going through it, and I thought, my goodness. And then I noticed, amen, whenever I come into a picture where I was with Angela, where, you know, because my mom had pictures of me, uh, you know, with me and Angela because I left right after I got saved and there wasn't any pictures there of me, you know, from 1990 till I got married to Angela and so there was that gap there but I see that picture and I thought, look at the smile on my face, amen. Look at me, I'm just looking at myself and I thought, that's what Jesus does, amen. He changes everything about you and he'll make you happy when you had no happiness. He'll give you joy when you had no joy, amen. He'll give you peace when you couldn't sleep at night and you had nothing to be peaceful about. He is the Prince of Peace and he gives you peace that passes all understanding. What a faithful God we serve. What a glorious God we serve. Oh, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Mighty God. And what's awesome is you want to please God. When you come to Christ, you want to please God. He begins to minister to your heart and he shows you what a blessing it is to please God. Hallelujah. Mighty God. Well, that ain't even my message. Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. That was all free. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1. Mighty God, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. I want to talk to you today for just a little bit here about pleasing the Lord. Pleasing the Lord. In Colossians 1, verse 9, the Bible says this. When you get there, say amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Almighty God, too many people, they just don't know what it means to be saved. Hallelujah. Put a smile on your face. Thank you, Jesus. And if you ain't a happy Christian, you need to get right. <laughs> Amen. You know, people, uh, people go and they go to work and they say they're Christians and they got their fish on their car and they got all these scriptures on their desk and all this stuff and then they go into work in the morning like this. Why would anybody want what you've got when you ain't got nothing? Amen. Why would they want that? They've already got that. Amen, I used to strut into that place, not strut, but I walked in there, amen. Maybe I was, amen. Going in there strutting like a banny rooster. I got Jesus in my heart, amen. Hallelujah. I didn't drink all day long on Sunday that I didn't couldn't get up on Monday morning. I got up Monday morning. I'm praising God. I got a good night's sleep. I'm happy in Jesus, amen. I'd walk into my office and all those slugs would be sitting around their desks, you know, like the bean counters that they were. And I was a bean counter too, but I was a happy bean counter. And here I am, praise the Lord, and they're looking at me like, who are you? I said, I got Jesus in my heart. But see, Lorenzo, what they don't know and what they don't understand is that before I come to Jesus, I was never happy. I was depressed. I was down low, downtrodden, because that's what sin does to you. It makes you feel real low. But Jesus got a hold of my soul and my heart, and he lifted me up. That's what he does. Don't you want that? I want that. I want to live in that. Well, I'm going to get back to this message. 
Colossians 1 verse 9 says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Coloss. And he says, for this cause, we also since the day we heard of it, talking about their faith, he said, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, not your will, his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He doesn't put a period there, but he goes on. He says, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. There's another, you know, semicolon there. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Somebody say amen. amen. Were you in darkness, but they're no longer in darkness. Don't have to sit in your room dark, uh, you know, with a hoodie over your head. Amen. Amen. See, the youngsters, they come in and they have hoodies over their head, and it's 105. The devil wants you to be miserable and hot. Oh, pastor, you turned 50 and you got jokes now. I got them. But he said, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, because darkness has a power. Fear has a power. But Jesus has a power. His spirit has a power. And that's greater than any darkness. That's so wonderful to me. And I found it to be real in my life that even though darkness may have a power, and I know that, but I know the power of God is greater. <laughs> Hallelujah! It's greater. And he said, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Father, help me today to preach, and Lord, to minister to this congregation for a little bit here, and that the word would bring faith, and that you would anoint me with fresh oil. And I ask you to touch each and every one today. And, uh, and we give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm preaching for here just a moment about the pleasing pleasing the Lord. Because as Christians, we're supposed to please the Lord. I know there's probably a lot of displeasure that goes on. I know that I lay before the Lord more often than I care to confess and say to you that I've displeased the Lord and just simply not in, uh, being as committed in my devotion and dedicated in my devotion. That enough uh, touches my heart to feel uh, uh, bad and to feel sad because I'm away from my source of life. If you take a... A plant out from underneath the sun, it's going to die. It needs that every day. It needs the sun every day. It needs water. It needs things that will nurture it and that will, you know, be an atmosphere for it to grow and mature. You cannot grow and mature and be pleasing in God's sight if you don't submit yourself to the things that you have to partake of in order for that maturity and pleasing to come to pass. I've been pondering this thought for a couple weeks listening to an old preacher on YouTube, and there's a lot of them, but I found one that I really like. And uh, we are to live a Christian life that is pleasing. God takes note of such a life. How do you know that? Because the Bible says that Enoch had a testimony that he pleased the Lord. I know that the Lord took him, and, uh, but I know that he had a testimony that pleased the Lord. And that came because of what God did in his life and touching him. But uh, we also read that David had a heart after God's own heart. God told Samuel, I found me a king, and he's not like King Saul who will not pursue the spiritual, but he is a man after my own heart. He's laid out there in that sheepfold, and he's talked to me, and he's wrote the most beautiful poetry, and I've given him inspiration.
innovation and creativity. And here he is, and he's got a heart after my own heart. Even though he didn't always do exactly what he should have done, he had a heart when he made mistakes to go back to God and repent. You know, if we set out to be faithful to God, and we should, if we ever find ourselves unfaithful, you've got to know that He is faithful who's called you and He's greater than your heart, than anything that you're dealing with. And if you'll come back faithfully to Him, you can renew that place of faithfulness and please God. Because He loves you and me. And He wants you and I to succeed. When I say succeed, I mean walk before Him in victory. The devil wants you down, depressed, tormented, sick, and lame. But God wants you blessed, spiritually blessed. Amen. He, he wants you, it doesn't matter what you drive, he wants you to be blessed. You understand? doesn't matter where you live. He wants you to be spiritually blessed. He wants you to have that joy, that satisfaction, that excitement, that desire to glorify him, to praise him. That's what bling, brings him pleasure. But uh, we're to take note of this, that Enoch had a testimony that he pleased the Lord. David, it was said that he had a heart after God's own heart. God said about Job to the devil himself, Have you considered my servant Job? What a man of God he is. And he proved it when he put him through all that he put him through or allowed him to be put through. And he came out on the other side still holding on to his faith in God. His integrity. He said, doesn't matter what God does to me, I'm still going to serve him. Though he slay me, I'm going to trust him. I know that one day I'm going to see him face to face. Even though my body may go to the dirt and turn to worms and they eat it. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I love those scriptures. I want you to get them in your spirit. But Paul, in our text, shows the heart of a pastor or a teacher or a leader. He says, I'm praying that you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Because I want you to. God wants you to. He'd have me teach such a thing because he wants you, Colossians, to know. And he wants you, New Life, to know that he wants you to be pleasing in his sight. He wants you to have that, that pleasing walk and walk worthy of such a life. Is he not worthy of our greatest faithfulness? Is he not worthy of our greatest consecration? Is he not worthy, amen, of our praise? Of our sacrifices. He's done so much for us. We owe him. Even though we can never pay him. We owe him. But we, we, we give back in everything that we do. You know they used to sing a song. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. And the, the rest of the verse says. I needed someone to, to wash my sins away. But I say he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. But I'm going to live my life trying. This was the constant, this prayer that we're reading and this exhortation from Paul that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God and so forth and so on. This is, uh, this is the constant, fervent, faithful prayer of the Apostle Paul and every pastor that truly has a heart for God and is not a hireling but a shepherd that believers be saved and the believers that are saved under his ministry or under his teaching or tutelage as they said would be mature and pleasing unto God. That encompasses, and I'm going to break down this scripture for you, being filled with the knowledge of God's will. God has a will for your life. And you know what church? We need to submit to his will. His will. You know, a lot of times people, they want the will of God for areas uh, in the natural, but they don't want to submit to the will of God in the spiritual. In other words, they don't want to live for God, but they want to ask God to make sure that He sends them the right person to marry. I said, so you want the blessing of God without God. You want to be in the will of God in areas of your life and you want the blessing there but you don't want to submit yourself to the spiritual side of it I want you to know amen that if you don't submit to God in his will and you don't submit to him and you're pleasing in the fact that you're walking in his will you might as well marry whoever you want to marry 
Because if you're not in his will here, you're not going to be blessed there. But if you serve him here, I can tell you, God will, as you pray, put you smack dab in the will of God with who you're supposed to be with. And it will not be an Ishmael, but it will be an Isaac, which is a promise. Woo! (laughs) Amen. You know, I was the pastor's son at my dad's church. And I dated a lot of the girls that were in church. Ain't no shame in my game. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not being, I didn't do anything bad. I'm just telling you that I, I was trying to find my mate. And God said, as they each, every, every one of them got married, they all began to get married. And then I was there, and, and, and I wasn't the old maid. I was the, you know, the old bachelor at the age of 21. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because that's what the devil lied to me and told me. You ain't never going to get married. You had your pool of people to choose from, and you didn't choose one of them. And now you're, you're going to live your life. You might as well just be and know that you're going to be an unmarried minister, missionary, whatever. You, that's it. And I said, Lord, I want you to know that if you want me to be married, you will send that person across my path. If you don't want me to be married, then I'll never be married. But I know this much, I certainly don't want to put my hand to something and make it worse or completely send me down a diverted path. I trust you in your will. And I went about, I don't know, it was, it was almost a year it seemed like. But I just began to pray and seek God and fast and just pray. And, and, and my wife came walking through the door. She came walking through the door. And you know what? God showed me something. He said in some ways she wasn't anything that you expected, but she was everything that you needed. Amen. Amen. Because what I gave to you was somebody, amen, number one, that has discernment no matter what people think. She's got discernment. And I said when there's a devil-possessed person, she's down there crawling on top of them and casting the devil out of them. Amen. 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 And I gave you somebody that was smart. Amen. That knew how to do the 501c3 and knew and, and the corporation, the, the nonprofit corporation and state and federal tax exemption. You know, he gave me a college educated person, praise the Lord, and that loves kids and loves strippers. Amen. Loves to go and just preach to them women and those sex traffic girls. He said, I gave you everything that you needed. And you thought, you know, you wanted a piano player and a singer and that. That would have been wonderful, he said, but I gave you what you needed. And even, even, amen. Even greater than all of those things in ministry. Let me tell you something about my wife. She loves Jesus and she loves Jonathan. And Jonathan loves Angela. And I love Jesus too. Amen. We both love Jesus more than we love each other, but we love each other. And that is the beauty. Amen. God knows how to put you perfectly with the person you're supposed to be with. So when God calls you to marry an orange, don't try to look for an apple. Man. I don't know where all that came from, but that's all free. Being filled with the knowledge of God's will. And I know that's spiritual, so don't come up and correct me after service. I know it's about your sanctification and the knowledge of redemption and the sacrifice of taking up the cross and all of these things. They're important. But, you know, sometimes we got to get down to everyday practical things that people are living at. And I have to understand, and we all have to understand, that we've all got problems in our life and there's a spiritual solution and the spiritual solution is submit to God get in his will and he'll lead you amen being filled he said with the knowledge of God's will in wisdom oh my goodness do we ever need wisdom we live in a time and a day where it seems like nobody has the brain God gave a goose come on you look and you think I heard pastor pastor uh, Al last night. You know, he's an old school guy, but you know, I'm just, 
I, I'm just, I, you know, 50 years old and I'm not that old, but I, I'm, I don't care if you're 10 years old, you know the difference between a male and a female. And now we live in this time where everything, you know, I, I saw an article the other day. It said God made ma a, a male and female. He made a man and woman. He said, you know, uh, politicians and people that are in the world, the liberal world and the liberal thinkers. And he said they've made every other gender. But God always brings it back to science that you cannot deny. Amen. I don't care if there's two men that have a baby and it may have, it may have had a, a man's sperm, but it took another woman. Amen. No man and a man can have a baby. That's just clear. But you see the wisdom, the, just, the, just, the, the, the mind of just natural scientific wisdom has went out the door. But he said, I'll give you wisdom to know how to walk pleasing. And pleasing simply means this, that I'm walking in his will and in his word. Spiritual understanding, he said here in the word of God. Increasing in knowledge, strengthened with all might, according to, the, to his glorious power. But, but reading the spiritual understanding here in the scripture. And being fruitful in every good work. I'm, I was back up here in verse 9, and now I'm down here, amen, in verse 10. Being fruitful in every good work. God wants us to be fruitful in all the labor of our life. Let me just say to you, in ministry, we should be fruitful. In our spiritual lives, we should be fruitful. You know, what does that mean? It means that you submit yourself to God. His Holy Spirit fills you and the love of God flows from you and everything that is a character and attribute of Christ comes with it. Love, joy, kindness, meekness, faith. All of the fruit of the Spirit flows through your life. You should be fruitful in your life. And you should be fruitful in your ministry. And as you begin to share the light and the life of God, th there will be fruit that will come from that. Amen. We're to be fruitful in everything that we do. You're to be fruitful on your job. People say, I go to work and, and I, I, I punch that time clock. And, but you know what? We're going to talk about God. I said, you're not there to talk about God. Oh, it's awfully quiet. You're there to work for that man that's paying you, that's looking at you, and you're saying, I'm a Christian? But you're taking his time that he's paying you for to evangelize. I believe in evangelism. You, you guys are awfully quiet, but maybe I need to stay here for a second and just say this, that we need to be the best employee we can be on that job. We need to, sh because people are looking at you and they're saying, that dude's a Christian and three and a half hours out of the day he doesn't do anything? Hey, amen. Come on. You just want me to preach what you want to hear. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. When we get on that job, we need to give them eight good hours. Yeah, we can talk about God, but we're going to talk about God while we're working. Amen. Come on. You can work and talk at the same time. Let's talk. Yeah, Jesus saves. Amen. Work while you're evangelizing. Amen. It's all right. But the greatest testimony is that you went there and you didn't steal from your employer. Oh, we got to get to this baptism. Amen. Fruitful in every good work. I don't care if you're retired or whatever. You should be fruitful in your life. Sit there and see everything that needs to be done and don't do nothing about it. Laziness is something that God looks upon with disdain. So get your lazy self up and do something. Somebody's saying, somebody, amen. Where's he going this morning? I don't know. Just wherever the cloud leads me. But being fruitful in every good work. You know, I was walking out of Love's, and that's a gas station. If you go across the 40 or the 10 or anywhere across the United States, there's those Love's, and I like them because they're well lit. And they always got good bathrooms and everything. And they have every kind of food and drink you can think of. You know, and when I'm driving, I like to eat snacks. 
They had the best coffee and all that. So here I am, and uh, I come out, and there was a bunch of rappers on the ground, and I just walked past them, and the thought was in my mind, well, they pay somebody to do that. And God said, is that who you are? I said, no, Lord, and I walked back there, and here I am picking up trash in front of the trash can and sticking it in there because the conscience down deep inside of me says anything that you know to do that's good, you should do it. And if you don't, then it's a sin. We should do what's right. We should do the right thing. Amen. And the right thing isn't just to sit there and wait for other people to do the things that you should be doing. If you know to do good, do it. Well, I'm moving on. Increasing in the knowledge of God. You can't increase in the knowledge of God unless you are taking in that knowledge. People say, I don't know the Word of God. I said, do you read the Word of God? You have not because you ask not. You know not because you read not. (laughs) Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might. You're not going to have the strength of the Spirit or the strength and the power of the Word except you take in the Word. Jesus, who was the Word, and of course He is the Word, so He knew the Word, began to respond with the Word to the devil in the wilderness, and He said, It is written. The reason we can't say it is written is because we haven't read what is written. And it needs to be etched on the tablet of our heart. And the Word of God will lead us and and guide us in all paths of truth by His Spirit. But His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And He'll lead us as we walk in our life. But we will have the power, getting back to this spiritual warfare, we will have the power that we need when we pray the Word of God. We must know the word and we must speak the word and say it is written. When the devil lied to me and told me you're done, God cannot forgive you. This was many years ago. He cannot forgive you. You've committed the same private sin too many times. And he said God cannot forgive you. You're just a piece of trash. You might as well quit and give up. God has completely forsaken you. Had I not known the word, I'd have believed that lie. And God said, Jonathan, what doth the word say? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. I said, but Lord, he said, read it again. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you in his blood of all your unrighteousness. And I said, oh Lord, can it be true? He said, read it again. I kept reading it. And then as faith began to come, those scriptures, amen, he gives beauty for ashes, amen. Hallelujah. He said, he will in no wise cast you out if you come unto him. Oh, I said, Lord, could it be true? He said, just keep reading it. Keep reading it like an old lawnmower that won't start. You know, just keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling. And you know, finally that thing kicked over and it started. God said, I'll start start your life with a word that will come against the devices of the enemy don't believe the lie but how can you quote what you don't know that's why we got to know the word of God when you're in trouble you can pray your way out and begin to speak the word of God out of that mess he said strengthened with all might because you've increased in the knowledge of God, you're going to have strength by the Word and by His Spirit. By His glorious power. Because it's God, not you. But it's God. Imagine that. It's God. It's His glorious power. The glory is that He brought you from that place of death to that place of life. From that place of destruction and defeat to that place of God making you an overcomer. By His glorious power. Suffering long with joy. And that patiently. You know, people suffer. It's part of being a Christian. You're going to go through things. And anybody that tells you that if you suffer, you don't have faith, you need to turn them off. 
because everybody that has faith is going to be tried. The enemy's going to come after the people that, that, that are walking with God faithfully and they're overcoming. You're the one he wants to come after. And you're going to go through disappointments, ups and downs, struggles, fights, warfare. And you've got to take it and suffer long through the things that you go through with joy, patiently. That's why he said, count it all joy when you enter into diverse temptations. You've got to know, amen, God will give you the faith. Just ask him, Lord, help me. Help me to go through this. I'm suffering long. I want to be joyful through it all, amen. There have been times I was going through one of the hardest times of my life, and God said, don't you dare go into that church and put a frown on your face. You stand up there, and you rejoice in that. You belong suffering with joy. Amen. Stand there in the face of the enemy and tell that church you can overcome. You can be in victory. Amen. No matter what I'm going through, it doesn't matter. I'm serving God and the glory, amen, of being an overcomer today is that you and I, hallelujah, overcame by the power of God to be his, for his glory. For his glory. Long-suffering with joy, patiently, always thankful for the inheritance we've received in Christ. I never had an inheritance till Christ. Amen. I never had an inheritance. Now I got an inheritance. Let me tell you something. I have an inheritance in heaven, and God has saw to it in my life that he has given me an inheritance here. There are people that I've poured in through over the years that when they died, they gave me something. They left me something. They blessed me with something. Amen. I'm telling you, God said, I will cause people to begin to cause you to inherit the blessing of the earth. I thank God for that. That was never my desire. My only desire was just to inherit heaven. I said, Lord, you're worth it all. But just like with Solomon, he said, not only am I going to bless you with the wisdom that you've asked for, but I'm going to give you the things you didn't even ask for just because you came with the right heart to please me. So, oh, Lordy, Lordy, what is that inheritance we've received in Christ? Of course, it's redemption. It's heaven. It's eternal life. It's a life here, living joyfully and excited. But he said down here in verse 13, giving thanks unto the Father, verse 12, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's brought us into equality. He saw with Christ. You only have an inheritance because of Christ. He brought you and I into equality with God, with Christ. Because he died, we died. On the cross, when the man said, he said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. He is the greatest expression or example of somebody that died with Christ and rose with Christ. Because he said, we know he died like Christ died on the cross. But he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, well, let's see how it goes on the other side. No. What you are, listen, I feel in my heart to say this. What you are when you take your last breath is where you will go and what you will be. You live your whole life and you say, well, I went to Sunday school when I was five and you died at 65. You never prayed another prayer, never saw God, never lived for God. Nothing. I can tell you, you didn't die in faith. When you die in faith, you die in faith. I'm in faith. Amen. We're in faith. Praise God. Some people here this morning, and I, I just want to say to you, are you in faith? Did you die or, or, or will you die in faith? Because one day we're all going to take our last breath. Are we living in faith? Are we living worthy that is pleasing unto God? 
We need to make sure that our calling and election is sure. We need to make sure that our heart is right with God, that we have faith in God. And if you have faith, you act upon what you say you believe. But what is that inheritance of the saints in light? It's living in the delivered place with power over the spirit of darkness and power over the power of darkness, which is seeing the darkness for what it is, the curse of sin and its effects. What is that? No direction. When you're in the dark, you have no direction. You have no purpose. You're in despair of any way out. Pastor Al was here, and I'm just using him as an example, and he is a man of God, walks in life, but he's blind. And he's standing here next to that pulpit. And I watched him in that blindness. He took his hand off. And he went to put that hand up there. He couldn't see that pulpit. He was about a half inch away from it. And he went like that. I mean, you, I jumped off that chair so quick. I thought, Lord, all I can see is that burly man falling on the floor on his face. And, but I reached out there. He caught himself. But people in the dark, they can't see. They can't see. They can't see God. They can't see where they're going. They're just groping in the darkness. That's a lot of people. That's the majority of people. They have no hope. They have no direction for their life. But we have Christ. We have light. The Bible says that his, I told you, I quoted it, his word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He said, go over here. Go over here. God will lead you. He'll guide you. But they're in the darkness. They can't see. They can't see that the enemy has them completely blinded to what they could know and what they could see. Pastor Al said it last night. He said, basically, they don't know because they don't know. They don't see it. They don't see what they could have in God. They don't see the relationship they could have. They don't see the redemption. They don't see or know the joy. I didn't. I drove to school every morning in high school. And there were times the devil said, just take your life. Just drive off. Drive off down there in, in that uh, ravine there. Don't put your seatbelt on. Just drive off there. And he said, just take your life. Yeah. There's a lot of that that goes on. Let me give you a, a, a news flash. Don't take your life because you don't want the last thing that happened in your life to be that you murdered somebody and it was yourself. You want to go into that next life in faith and say, Lord, I served you, I loved you, I gave my life to you, and you gave me pardon. And he's going to say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant, to the joy of the Lord. Not depart from me, I never knew you. But seeing the darkness for what it is, the curse of sin, and that our only way out is by the light of Christ leading us into truth that sets a man free. What is truth? Truth is a person. Truth is a person. Jesus. Did he not say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? And he is the only one God ever said that he was pleased with. Two times in Matthew 3 and Matthew 12. One was in the river of Jordan when he come up and the dove fell upon him and the heavens opened. And God the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Peter was trying to make, you know, altars and everything for Moses and Elijah. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. Don't listen to your own self. Hear Him. Listen to Him. I'm pleased with Him. God said, because I, 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 the Lord spoke to me, he said, I want my redeemed to please me. But that is only possible if they are in Christ because he is who I am pleased with. So we must be in Christ. And I read this scripture to you and I'm getting ready to close. In Psalms 147 verse 11, the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. The pleasure that God desires or what brings Him pleasure is that we totally accept and embrace that He is all we need. Not works, not good deeds, even though works and good deeds will come from a life of faith. 
But James said, faith without works is dead. But I can tell you, 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 you know, you can have works but not have faith. But you cannot have faith, amen, and there not be works that follow it, and it be, amen, a legitimate faith. We must know this today. Our faith and trust must be in the finished work of what Jesus did. It must be in Christ, not in ourselves. Because some people think, if I just do the proper stepping stones, I can work my way to heaven. You can't. There's no sacrifice that could be made for you and me but what Jesus did on the cross. He is all we need, everything we need. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. There was a lady, and I, 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 I just want to say this. I'm not here to, to talk down or uh, down any religion or anything, but listen to this story. This is true. There was a lady who was raised her whole life, Catholic, and on her deathbed, well, before that, she had... She had went through a life of just religion, just going through religion, but not a relationship. There's a huge difference between relationship and religion, okay? There's people that come to Protestant churches that don't have a relationship with God. So that qualifies across the board. It ain't just one particular denomination. But she had really, truly come to a born-again experience where she had a relationship with God. And on her deathbed, her family said she was Catholic her whole life. Well, I guess they didn't know that later on in life she had really, truly come to us. I don't, I don't know if she quit going to church or whatever, but she was laying there in that bed, and a Catholic priest came in, and he said to her, he said, I'm here to forgive your sins. That's what he said. Final pardon, last rites. <clears throat> she said, can you please show me your hands? put his Bible down, and he pulled his hands out. She said, sir, you can't forgive me of my sins. She said, you didn't die for me. She said, but he died for me. And when he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He accomplished this, the re redemption and salvation for my soul. Amen. Now, we have a responsibility for, to forgive people for the things that they've done to us. You know, if, if Brother Gabe has offended me or done something terrible to me, and he says, Pastor, you know, will you forgive me for what I said, did, or whatever? Yes, I forgive you, brother. And by the grace of God, he'll give you the power to do that. But ultimately, our sins and our soul's salvation can only come from him. The only one that can forgive you eternally is the one who died for you. Amen. And so I just encourage you today to have a relationship with God. Because that veil was ripped in two so we could come directly to the throne of God. You don't have to go through a preacher. You can talk to God. You can know Him yourself. Amen. You can know Him yourself. And there's no relationship like that. He loves you. He loves me. And the pleasing of God comes as we live for him and we serve him and we do what is pleasing in his sight. And we fear the Lord and we absolutely respect the fact that his mercy given unto us is the only way we could ever know God. We were estranged from him until Jesus reunited us. That's why we have to have a Savior. Amen. That's why we have to have a Savior. Thank God for the Savior. Do you want to please Him today? I'm going to tell you how you can. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you can please Him by continuing to live for Him faithfully. Amen. Every day submitting yourself unto God. Resisting the flesh. Living for God. Watching as God does a work in your life. And he's glorified through your life. But you that are here this morning, you say, I'm not a Christian. I don't, I'm not serving God. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I want you to know something today. You can be. And if you want to please God, today is your opportunity to please God. By stepping out 
and saying, you know what, I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord. You know, we, we sometimes I think even preachers overcomplicated. It's simply saying, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to live my life the way I've been living it, doing my own thing. I'm going to bring God, not bring God, but I'm going to open my heart and allow God, amen, to come in and completely change who I am and surrender my life unto him totally and completely. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to submit to the creator that made me and made me a living soul. Breathe life into me. I'm not going to be rebellious against my creator, not one more second. But I'm going to live for my creator. That's what salvation is. It's coming and saying, Lord, I want to stop the sin I've been living in. Stop the rebellion. Stop the disobedience. And faithfully live for you. That's when you begin to please God. He says, I look and I see what, what's happened in their life because of what Jesus did. Because you've got to understand something. It has to be that spiritual work that's taking place. God will do it if you'll step out and you'll say, Lord, today I want to surrender my life. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your head? Sister Lupe, would you come? Come this morning. Church, would you just bow your heads in prayer? And would you just begin, you prayer warriors, begin to pray? Because I just believe there's somebody here this morning that God wants to minister to their life. He wants to minister to their heart. And he wants to touch them and bring them into a place of, of just salvation. He wants to save them. He wants them to be born again. And so I encourage you this morning, amen, begin to pray for those. Go ahead, sis. Father, today I thank you for this opportunity we have to come to honor you, to glorify you. And Lord, we're going to have a baptismal today. But before we do that, Lord, I believe, Lord, that you want to do something in somebody's life this morning. And my prayer, Lord, is that you will draw by your spirit each and every person in this house. I'm asking you, God, to pour out your spirit right now and draw by your spirit. Oh, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Draw by your spirit.